Every play, every stat, every breakdown, on their own they're essential, but altogether they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advantage tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing pieces to get the most out of every second of film. Learn more at huddle.com slash a quick timeout. Making his monthly appearance here for the basketball season is courtside consulting's Mark Cassio. Coach, I've got a quick hitter to start. We're going to go just right away here. What's the best thing either side of the ball that you've seen this past month? All right. So uh, I consume a lot. So this is tough. Like this is like information overload. So having having my brain pick one thing is really tough. So I'll, I'll go a few quick hits to you or just a couple, I guess. I have seen just watching more college. I watched a lot more NBA early. Now I'm kind of now that college plays in conference and uh, I usually get into that. And I've seen a lot of college teams look a lot different today than they did at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say kudos to them. Uh, I've seen some change defenses. Uh, I've seen some change style of play uh, as far as just increasing pace. Usually pace slows down. Uh, so I will say one of the best things that I've seen is a couple teams. I won't name because it's kind of close to home, but um, play much faster give more freedom to their players uh, and in turn winning more games. And so I will say kudos to them for that's what coaching is, right? Making adjustments and putting your players in the best position possible to succeed. And uh, I don't think you can find anything better than that uh, whenever you watch hoops. Yeah. Probably for me, like most coaches, uh, things that you pick up while scouting other teams and a friend of mine whose team we recently played, they ran a set that I've seen quite a few team run, teams run, both at the high school and the college level. But then he layered a couple more just basic, simple actions to the end of it, which made the set really hard to guard. And it just reminded me that with just maybe one or two additions to a to a set can make it much more difficult to guard. And also reminded me how difficult those multiple actions are to guard for most defenses. So um, not having to completely upend what you do, but maybe just something small. And that leads me into what I want to talk about with you today, talking about adjustments. And you even mentioned in-game adjustments or just kind of bigger picture adjustments. Let me start with that big picture. How do you go about things that second, maybe even the third time you're playing a team? We are now entering last half of the season. I know some teams, even the last third of the season, what do you think about and how do you go about making those adjustments? This is what's coming up a lot in, in consulting calls. And then uh, you deal with it at the high school level and at the college level, even in conference play, obviously really, really important. One thing that I would look at first is what did we do at practice leading up to the game? And did that translate to the game? Meaning, uh, you know, we might have spent time preparing for their press and then we go play and they didn't press us or uh, we're working on defending these actions or these sets, and they really just leaned on two and we prepared for five. Uh, so how efficient were we? Was our scout correct? What scout misses do we have? Did we have, you know, look at our timeout notes? So I, I would say in-game 
uh, as coaches huddle and as the head coach goes and talks to the players, can we write down the things that we're talking about during the game and what adjustments do we have to make from there? And then what was, what was a scout error? Maybe uh, like we thought this matchup was going to be fine. And then uh, first segment, we had to adjust that matchup or uh, right away. We knew that, um, you know, we were preparing for drop coverage and then, oh, they're all of a sudden they're they're just switching, you know. So did we practice uh, according to how the game was going to be played? Uh, also, what was their game plan? Uh, did it differ from what we saw in film or what we guessed? Uh, and then how did they adjust? What was their first adjustment? You know, I think uh, and I know we're talking in game adjustments uh, today. I think everybody makes an adjustment probably a second adjustment. I think the coaches that get to the third or fourth adjustment, if needed, uh, are the ones that typically put their teams in positions to win. Uh, and then last thing I would look at is where did their shots come from? So, you know, we want to look at effective field goal percentage for the opponent. And if, if it's good, bad, kind of somewhere in the middle, uh, of the good shots that they got, how were those created? Was it transition? Was it off uh, cuts and screens? Was it off drive and kick? Uh, and then that's where we're going to double down in our preparation for the second or third round of play. In regards to seeing that team second time, was it more we did poorly in these areas the first time? Let's address those. Or was there more to it? I think it's a little bit of both. I think there's a lot of nuance there. That's a great question because sometimes if uh, if you just didn't play to your standard, then sometimes the adjustment is just what can we do to get our team to to execute better? Uh, or you know, was it you know, especially at the college level, we would we would play Thursday Saturday, and sometimes that travel and that second game on Saturday is like you just don't have the juice. Uh, so you know, coming back home. Is that just a built-in advantage that we need? And then some of the adjustment uh, also could be take out the X's and O's. It's just do we need to adjust our prep, our routine, um, our approach in the days leading up to the game? That might be what you need. Uh, was was on a consulting call uh, with a coach in Montana. They just beat a rival uh, a couple of weeks ago. They're playing in the second round. And our consulting call yesterday was on this exact topic. He, he was saying, what adjustments do I have to make? I feel like if we don't adjust, I'm not doing my job. And I kind of led him the other way and saying, look, you just beat a really, really good team pretty handedly. They're the ones really searching for solutions. We've already identified three to four areas that your team can improve a little bit on. And by cutting deep into those and actually improving your team, you are preparing your team for the next game. So uh, we came up with a couple of adjustments that we need to make, but they're very minor tweaks. Uh, and we're hoping the other team is going through a whole plethora of adjustments and changing the way they play. What kind of cleanup are you looking at? Like what things are you typically addressing? Um, so in this particular case, it was ball screen coverage. Uh, just a couple things, you know, we had to get a little bit be better at uh, tagging the roll in one coverage. And then when we changed to a switch, we had to get better at getting underneath. So if I'm the on-ball defender, I got to get underneath that roller just because we got we were indecisive there and we got beat on a couple rolls. Uh, and, you know, a couple other times you just got us out of rebounding position. So just really minor things like that. And what I love about that is you're focusing on your ball screen defense rather than all these things that your other 
that your opponent does is it's like, where's the ball screen going to occur? What is our coverage? And then where are the margins that we need to clean up there? And then offensively, we did a nice job of attacking them in transition. So a couple minor adjustments. So how can we get a few more transition possessions or extend our transition by two to three seconds by just riding the wave and using our momentum to get downhill early? Two more that we've addressed is setting screens, actually hitting somebody, waiting timing of a screen, right? Okay. And then also things like pivoting or even slowing down enough so that you get that, what do you see, make the right decision, and then use the right skill. Because I found that the later on you go in the season, the more it just becomes, ah, I already know this, and there's almost kind of a mindlessness that results in that lack of sharpness. I love that because it's it's the skill acquisition versus skill application. At this point in the year, it's more skill, like applying the skill, right? So just getting your players to slow down is going to allow them to make plays, right? Make the right decision out of the skills that the technical skills they already have. So that's really, really good, especially late in the year. One more thing that I'm sure coach wishes I go back to, so I'll go ahead and do it for him. You mentioned the timeout notes, and I've seen you talk about this in other places. Can you talk about what that looks like, how you use those in the games, and then what you do with those after the games are over? We would, I'll start with how we used them after the game was over. I would just file them away. Uh, when I was the head coach, I had them in a post-game report where we would have our effective field goal percentage, opponents' effective field all those things broken down. Uh, and then I would just have a, a little timeout notes, like first break, what did we talk about? Second break, what did we talk about? Then you could go back and look when planning practice for that second or third game. Say, so look, we were we were talking about you know our ball screen coverage throughout the whole first half. Uh, was that something we cleaned up at half? Was that something that we need to change for the next round? Uh, and I think it's as simple as getting a coach on your staff to be in charge of it. If you have a, even if you have a manager, somebody that sits right behind the bench, our head coach would, uh, what's the head coach saying, uh, turning around and saying to the assistants, uh, and then what is actually uh, communicated between the coaches, and then what did we actually relay to the players? So you could get really technical with it or just say, you're the manager, you're a young assistant or even, you know, top assistant. Just what am I saying throughout the game that I might need to, to know? Because, man, the, the season all becomes a blur. And if you rely on remembering all of those things, it becomes uh, a crapshoot. A quick timeout podcast is presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. Dr. Dish machines are the most advanced shooting machines on the market. If you haven't already, join top programs like the Miami Heat, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Duke Blue Devils, and countless others and an upgrade to Dr. Dish Basketball. And now, save an extra $300 on select models when you mention Quick Timeout Podcast. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. A big thanks to 323 Sports for supporting the show. The guys with 323 Sports are a team dealer providing uniforms, gear, equipment, and more to schools and colleges across the country. I've used them on multiple occasions, and their customer service and low prices are second to none. To find out more, visit 323sports.com, where you can reach out directly to a rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports program. All right, let's talk some X's and O's. Start with the X's. Defensive adjustments, things that you've done, things that you've seen that you think would be good for coaches to hear about. 
I think first it's probably especially defense because usually coaches have like their bread and butter, their primary defense. And I think having a system that, you know, backwards and forwards that you have a, uh, uh, you know, you can install this system from the ground up. You're experienced with it is vital, right? So just basically having an identity on both sides of the ball, but just talking defense now is like, we have a defensive system that we believe in uh, that is sound and we can adjust from that system rather than trying to draw straws or put band-aids on things. And when you know something and you run it as your base defense over the course of the season, you've made so many minor adjustments that at this point in the season, it's like, okay, well, we'll just defend this like we did three weeks ago, right? Or this adjustment was really good earlier in the season. At this point, you've seen everything. You know, you've you've seen all the the uh, the screening that you're going to have to cover. You know, you've seen all the types of players. Like, you know, you're really good shooters, or you're really good drivers, or your dudes that just you, or girls that you just can't stop because they can do everything. So, a couple of specific adjustments would be, you know, getting the ball out of the best players' hands. Are we going to maybe just extend our defense? Uh, and not allow their primary handler to get the ball and bring them up. If they're a set play team, that might be disruptive. Can we trap the best player every time they have the ball? Or, you know, something that we would call ace, right? So we like king, queen, ace. Ace is like the the ace in the hole. We don't have a guy or a girl that can guard this player. Uh, So every time they touch the ball, we're just going to be at elbows and blocks. And we want them to see five people in front of them to where when they give the ball up, if we can just, you know, take, you know, five, six, seven field goal attempts away from them, that's the best way to keep those players from scoring. Some other ones might be uh, changing up your ball screen D. I think if you're if you're defending one player or defending one action the same way uh, over the course of the game, if that coach is able to adjust, then you've got to adjust to the adjustment. Other things would be knowing what the root cause is. And that's going to make your adjustment really easy. I would say a novice coach or an untrained eye will just see like, oh, we're giving up a whole lot of points. Our defense stinks. We've got to change defenses. But maybe your first shot defense is really good, and it's a rebounding problem. So we're 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 forcing them into the shots that we are willing to give up, but we're not rebounding it. Now they're making you know seventy percent of their second chance points, or uh, is our offense? making it really, really tough for our defense. Are we taking bad shots? Are we, we have live ball turnovers and the scoreboard says our defense stinks, but really it's our offense. Uh, that is the root cause of the problem. So knowing what problem you're trying to solve uh, is, is important. And I think that makes the adjustment fairly easy. Probably a whole nother episode. We could title something to the effect of what actually stinks. Uh, <laughs> That's right. What looks like still what looks like the problem is versus what actually the problem is. Yep. Two that I think of that I love is having something defensive like you do offensively with an after timeout. We're just going to trap the first ball screen, something like that. That's very simple. That doesn't require a whole lot of practice prior to that, but we're just going to do it once. And then that's the end of it type of thing. And then the other one, Late in the season, you have a lot of close games, special situations, especially out-of-bounds stuff. Like cross-matching, I'm assuming that you've scouted and you know the other teams so that you can just naturally switch onto something so it looks like an advantage, but then you're able to take that away quicker. Those are just two that I've seen teams use late in the season that have sometimes 
uh, cause the turnover, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I'll add one. Your uh, your first one made me think of this one uh, with, with like maybe changing a ball screen coverage out of a timeout. If the other team is getting the shots that they want or the shots that we don't want them to take, change defenses, right? Like if you're if 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 your defense is not being disruptive and they're I, I would be a bigger proponent of this if I was coaching today of let's go to our secondary defense, even if it's not great, even if we don't have a strong belief in it, until they score. Mm-hmm. It might take, I think, especially at the high school level, because you're dealing with more inexperienced players, it might take them a possession to figure out, uh-oh, defense, now they're in a zone. Second possession, they're not 100% comfortable versus the zone. Uh, and then third possession, they settle in, they get a great shot, whether they make it or miss it, that might be your cue. Okay, let's go back and just keep them off balance. You know, sometimes we would, especially if we weren't rebounding out of man. So let's go back to like first shot defense is good, but our rebounding stinks. Well, a lot of people won't go to zone because, well, they think rebounding is going to be harder, but it's like, if we're not rebounding in man, why don't we just make their shots more difficult? Maybe they shoot shots that are easier to rebound because they're not getting, you know, open threes or open twos at the rim. Uh, so those would be other defensive adjustments um, that you could make in game. That might be super simple. Let's just stay in our secondary defense till they score. I like that. When it's only one or two possessions that you need, I'm all about stealing the one or two possessions and, and changing defenses usually is, is great. Um, yeah. Okay, let's go to the other side of the ball now. Offensive adjustments that you've seen that you like. I would first say, are we playing our way? Like, does does is this our identity? Is this does this feel the way that it should feel? Right? Is our pace right? Is our rhythm right offensively? Are we in sync? If not, it might be a just a timeout and give them some training wheels. Give them something to keep them in their lane, especially at this point in the season. Like we're talking playing the team for a second or third time, maybe every game is bigger and bigger. And, you know, we're going to get into we are, you know, breaking a tie for first place in conference or the winner of this game is in the driver's seat for district. Your players might be really, really amped up and try to do too much early. So maybe we just hone in on a specific action or give them some calls, you know, like, oof, they are they are out of whack here. Let's just give them something to take, you know, some of the gray area out of the game. And then are we playing hard enough? Do we have the right players on the floor? What are they looking at the defense, right? Like if, uh, what are they taking away? Is it, is it abundantly clear? Like we ran driving space, right? So we were going to put pressure on the rim by creating space and trying to drive into the paint and make good decisions from there. Well, we would face teams that would not necessarily figure that out, but maybe their adjustment was, okay, we're really having trouble protecting the paint. Let's just pack it in. Okay. And if uh, if that was the case, then we're going to lean on more screening game. If we were facing a team that was more extended, then we could go more of our drive and space game. And then just flipping to the other side of the ball, just being aware of, all right, well, they're spreading us out and just driving them to the paint. Well, we're going to get in the gaps or we're going to play zone. So I think it's just that cat and mouse game of offensively what is working. And then I think some of the best offensive coaches – Sometimes the adjustment is just figuring out what is working and not deviating from that. I was breaking down film uh, for a consulting client this weekend, and they were dominating the game early with pace 
and conceptual offense. So it was like 12 to three, 16 to three, something like that. And then we come down and we run like a continuity offense. I'm just like, well, I think you just got bored there. You know, like I think you were just over coaching when we could have just, you know, stayed the course and not adjusted. Uh, but I think the best coaches figure out what's working and just keep going back to it, keep punishing them uh, and not be distracted or get away from it to feel like you got to throw some more things at them. As a concept-based coach, if you did this, uh, but one of the things that I found, your team ends up finding something that they like to do and they do it over and over. And to combat that, I've actually made an action or a concept, a call that I will be able to just very quickly from the sideline, like our, like a fan, to make sure that they do that or incorporate that. So your concept, it doesn't become a set play, but it becomes something that it is called so that they do it. Have you ever done something like that? Yes, for sure. And I think that goes to having a specific language. And even what we said on the defensive side of the ball, right, is like having a system that you know and believe in, having an offensive system, uh, that you know you can build from the ground up. You have really tight terminology to where every action can be a call uh, or it can happen organically. A question I get a lot is like, do you call that or do your players just do it? And the answer is yes. If I want to see it, I call it, but sometimes they just do it too because it's an option uh, or it's on our menu of actions for them. And that would go into also like game planning stuff is this team does X defensively. So we're going to lean on Y and Z out of our menu of actions and A and B are not going to be as important, right? So these two actions uh, are going to be there for us. And if we're not getting to them, then we're going to call it. And that maybe that's our simple adjustment. Also, I would see, uh, you know, like, let's get to a ball screen early. Let's see what their ball screen coverage is um, to see if, if our scout was correct. And then what's the adjustment from there? Like if they're switching the ball screen, do we go send uh, their worst defender into the switch in the ball screen? Or do we look to punish them with a like touch and go or a run roll or screen below, stay below and look to hit them with the secondary player? Uh, so all those are, uh, that's the fun part. That's the game within the game. Endless amount of opportunities there. Yeah, we had both those things happen just this past weekend. Wanted to see what their ball screen coverage was. Saw that it was a certain way. Did something specific to punishment, punish them until they changed it. And then the second one was had an advantage based off of a matchup, fouls, size of the play or whatever, and literally called the same thing four possessions in a row down the floor until the other guy fouled out of the game. And then we had to switch things too. So, yeah. So well, I've, seen, be... I've seen people call that uh, where's Waldo recently. Oh, yeah. or where's the mismatch? Can we <laughs> find Waldo and just pick on Waldo the whole time? Um, was at my daughter's uh, volleyball tournament this weekend. And uh, it was very clear that the other – both coaches were trying to find the weak link, and then they just serve right at that same <laughs> player over and over and over. Can we – we could probably do a better job of that as a basketball coach. It sounds like y'all are doing a really good job of that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, is there anything non-X's and O's that you would encourage coaches to think about here in the stretch run of the season? Non-X's and O's, I would say give your teams a break. Mental break is sometimes more important than a physical break at this point in the year. I would actually encourage, uh, especially at the high school level, you could probably do away with your weekend practices if you're practicing on Saturday mornings uh, or Sundays after uh, afternoons, if you're allowed to do that, and possibly consider 
practicing on that Tuesday game day. If you're playing Tuesday, Friday, we would not practice Saturday or Sunday. We'd practice Monday and then we'd bring them in right after school on Tuesday and get like a 45 minute practice in. I found we got more out of that than bringing them in for an hour and a half on the weekend where mentally they got to set their alarm or it's always in the back of their mind that they got to get to practice. And it's just a whole nother day of literally going to work. So give them some time off. You can always uh, benefit from the mental break, uh, having a, a more rested team, a more fresh team mentally and physically. And then if you want to do something on game day, that was really helpful for us. I would also say uh, this might not be away from X's and O's, but like self-scouting and looking at your four factors and how you can squeeze some margins, whether that's a team concept or on a personnel, like an individual level. And then some other things, just non-X and O's, whether it has to do with this point in the season or just in general, uh, I would utilize my staff a, a lot better. Lean on your staff uh, more, give them more ownership. And then in practice, shorten your practices, be really efficient, take out all the fluff that you're doing. I would get my players warmed up. I would prime them with skill uh, it, where we're making decisions with guided defense and then play live. Uh, we would do something change period where we would play five on five for an extended amount of time, but just change it up on them. Uh, hey, let's play against a two, three zone. Um, let's inbound from the side. Let's do some play call review. Let's inbound from the baseline. Let's start with some transition and just change it up to where we can hit on a lot of different things in a short amount of time. Uh, and it gives us, you know, as coaches, like a, a good sense of what our players are comfortable with uh, for the game plan going forward. I think there's a lot of benefit in both shortening the practice length, but then increasing the amount of time that you're spending on shooting. And I know that's not like a mindless thing is shooting, but I do think that it's a little bit less taxing than execution and diving deeper into X's and O's. And for us, the benefit has increased exponentially towards the end of the year. And to your point about the practicing on game day, we would actually do something similar to that, but it was a lot of shooting practice. And I noticed that the percentages increased for our team during the game that night when we spent more time shooting in those shoot arounds or practices or whatever you call them. Yeah. And sometimes we would compete in ours. And then other times it would be what we call run through. Like, let's just go through two to three things and then getting a lot of shots up. And then I would echo exactly what you said. I told coach, I tell coach all the time at this point in the year, if we're not doing uh, some kind of decision making with guided D, like I said, playing five on five, we're shooting. And that's it. We would even like later in the year, maybe, and it's getting pretty late in the year. Uh, we would compete for 32 minutes at the high school level because that was the length of the game. And then we'd shoot for 32 minutes where mm -hmm. it was just super efficient. We were in and out. And our players at the end of practice were like, that's it? And I thought that was a really good sign because it's like, hey, we still want to be here. Are you sure? Like, we're done rather than, you know, you're you're grinding them and, and going over every set play. And, and in their head, they're just like, gosh, I'm, I'm ready to get out of here. Uh, so I think doing – almost too little prep is much more beneficial than over preparing at this point. Last major thing here, but are there any cautions or warnings that you would give to coaches regarding this topic? One thing that's come up a lot with coaches and in my conversations with them lately is I'm getting a lot of this really worked against this team. Should we install it? 
And my answer is as a consultant, I kind of just tell them what, what I see, or if I need to be more of a coach and help them guide them to the conclusion, it, it almost always ends up being like, yeah, like we should probably just focus on us because yeah, that worked for that team because that is what they do, right? Like they are a two, two, one pressing team and they have been since October you doing it in, on Wednesday, Thursday probably isn't going to, you know, serve you well on Friday. So I would say um, stick to who you are, know what your strengths are, double down on your strengths. And like you said, with some like ATO stuff is just, can we add uh, something to what we currently do rather than add something uh, that's completely new to our players? Maybe we haven't coached it before. So that would be the one thing I would say. And then um, again, to echo, just uh, not practice too long. Don't feel the need to be in there. Make it feel like you're doing your job. And same thing with the scouting report. I wouldn't give my players a lot to, to make them know that I'm preparing or to make me feel better about our prep. Just give your players the absolute necessities. Uh, if they're fresh, if they're motivated, uh, I will say this too, man, this has come up a lot double down on culture at this time of the year. This is when some seniors are really, really excited about their stretch run. Some seniors that aren't satisfied in their roles are thinking about the spring sport they're going to play, or they're thinking about the transfer portal and where they're going to go, or they're thinking about next year and what their role is going to be. Um, and you, you want to have your team really, really present and motivated. And the way you do that uh, is by concentrating on your culture. So, Good culture, good vibes, uh, fresh legs, fresh minds, and then doubling down on your strengths. Uh, I think those are the teams that continue to get better into February and March. I'll mention this one just because it was a conversation that I had somebody within even a D1 program. Just be mindful of that outcome bias. He was saying we would win and for the next practice or two, they'd be short. We just get some shooting in, would be more just relaxed. And then when we lost, it was like the end of the world. We'd have a three hour practice the next day, conditioning and that inconsistency really wore on the players. And it ended up we're multiplying the problem and, and it was more harmful than it was helpful. All right. Before I let you go, anything new regarding courtside consulting and anything that you have going on right now? Yeah, very new, man. I don't know if you saw, uh, Wearing some savvy gear, I have uh, partnered with Tyler Costin uh, and become a member of Savvy. So we were basically doing a lot of the same thing independently. I had a ton of respect for each other, had met, and most recently saw each other at uh, the Bob Jones University Clinic that you run and, and do a great job running. And we connected again there and ever since have just stayed in touch. Uh, started talking weekly and uh, realized how aligned we were and our philosophy and our mission and helping modernizing the way the game we feel should be coached and played and, and serving coaches. Uh, and the more I talked to Tyler, the more it became obvious to me that we could have a greater impact together than we could independently. So we're, um, we're offering uh, three things. Uh, one, a community uh, membership Two, the grow membership, which is uh probably the best value for coaches is you get all of my resources and material. You get all of Tyler's resources and material and access to both of us for the same price as if you'd pay to be a member of either one. Uh, and then the highest level of membership is what we're calling courtside consulting, 
uh, where uh, either Tyler and I, one or both of us consult directly with your program and help you walk through uh, your season and serve you. And this move, I want to reiterate, is for coaches. I've been telling a lot of coaches, it's going to, we hope it's good for us, but we know it's going to be great for the coaches that we serve. Everything that we do, we, uh, we make decisions uh, based on what's best for the coaches in our community. So uh, that is uh, something we're both really excited about. It is, was just announced formally, and uh, we are going to um, you know, continue to impact the game uh, on, uh, together and hope to grow this thing. So if we can help you in any way, reach out to Tyler or I, uh, Tyler at SavvyCoach.com, Mark at SavvyCoach.com, and we are both on Twitter at Tyler Costin and at Coach Cassio. That's awesome partnership. I know it will be extremely helpful for coaches. I'll be sure to link all of that down in the description. That's Coach Mark Cassio of Savvy Coaching Consulting. As always, appreciate you taking the time, Coach. See you next time. Thanks.